You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Fool me, can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. You know when um, Joe Walsh, he's a former congressman, he's absolutely out of his mind. Uh-huh. There's also the music, and when uh, he he goes crazy on Twitter, he calls Obama a Muslim. He puts uh, you know random racist memes out that are retweeted from white supremacist groups. For the longest time, and when I say longest time, I mean approximately 45 seconds. Before I clarify, <laughs> it is not Joe Walsh, the singer of "Life's Been Good to Me" so far. Thank God, not the former Eagle. Not is he a former Eagle? He was a he's a former Eagle. He was in the Eagles for a while, and life had still been good to him so far. <laughs> The yeah, Eagles were so sad. <laughs> He's living off of that Rocky Mountain High. I thought that was uh, I thought that was Denver. Oh no, Rocky Mountain Way. Excuse uh, me. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Oh my God. All right. Well, what a week we've had. Minds are being blown. Oof. The whole damn world's falling apart. And when I say the world, I mean Donald Trump's campaign, <laughs> or so it looks. And definitely, the media wants to put the nail in the coffin when it comes to Trump and his chances of beating Hillary Clinton. It's been a rough couple of days for the mogul from Manhattan. Uh, let's just start with a list. It was published online, and I'll, I have to defend him a few times, Got specifically it. during Babygate. <laughs> I'm calling it Babygate. For right. those that don't know, Marcus, do you want to tell that story just well, a bit? Babygate is when uh, Donald Trump, he was doing a rally, he was speaking, he heard a baby crying, and he's like, all right, keep the baby in. Keep the ba- I love he, babies. He loves I love, I love babies. babies. Keep the baby in. And then he goes on for a little while longer. The baby keeps crying, and he said, no, wait, never mind. Get the baby out of here. The baby stepped on his crooked Hillary line. <laughs> how is he supposed to discuss how crooked Hillary is if there's a baby muffling his speech <laughs> i gotta say in defense of trump he's we're gonna pile on him a little bit so i have to defend him up top all right babies are terrible <laughs> in a crowd get him out i'll agree that okay, yes babies are, are terrible in a crowd children in politics oil and water <laughs> oh ben and butter we these things should not mix <laughs> what are you talking about the politician kissing the baby is a time-honored tradition it's get rid of it <laughs> i would never let a politician six feet six feet and close to my child there is no way i don't understand these people who just give their child to a politician like it's simba <laughs> and they they raise it with their arms and they're so happy when the 
politician who just got done kissing a prostitute <laughs> or God knows who else he was kissing. Mm-hmm. God knows what they were doing with those lips. And they kiss a newborn baby. And as baptism cures a child of their original sin, as soon as a politician kisses them, that sin is coming back triple. <laughs> It's disturbing. So I'm pro-Trump in this situation coming out and saying, get that baby out of here. I want nothing to do with the screaming child. And dare I say, given the rhetoric that Trump spews from his from his pulpit, that baby doesn't need to be hearing it anyway. <laughs> I'd say no take backs. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. That babe, no take backs. No take backs. That baby went home that day. And it built the biggest ball, biggest wall <laughs> with building blocks you've ever seen. It walled up its whole room. <laughs> so anyway, that was one situation, and I'm gonna have to say the least of the least of Trump's faults this week was kicking out a crying <laughs> baby from an auditorium. So uh, that's not the best way to start. I have a list of 15 things. 15 negative things that either happened to well, Trump or Trump said in one 24-hour period. It was a rough 24 hours. <laughs> like one of those 24 hours where you started the first 18 hours of it completely intoxicated and the rest of the six hours trying to apologize to everybody for how drunk you were. But by the 23rd hour, you just get trashed for the final hour and repeat everything over again. Well, I mean, the first one didn't necessarily happen the day of, but uh, it was released the day of in a Washington Post interview. Uh, Trump completely and totally declined uh, to endorse House Speaker Paul Ryan yes. in his primary. Paul Ryan is going through a very heated... Can you find the name of his opponent in Wisconsin? It's a very heated congressional race right now, obviously, for the for the seat. And the fact that Donald Trump did not endorse him has one of my personal favorite named people on earth, Reince Priebus. Reince Priebus. Reince Priebus <laughs> running up and down the halls of the House absolutely livid. You remember Trump during the first debate was the only candidate not to raise his hand when questioned, would you support the the nominee, regardless of who it is? He did not raise his bizarre, stubby, short hand. Uh, So he hasn't, there was no indication that he was going to support Paul Ryan. And quite frankly, on Red Eye, the show that I write for and produce on Fox News, we've had a lot of guests come on who are super pro-Trump, and they absolutely are giving Paul Ryan the Mitt Romney treatment from 2012. Of course, Ryan was on the bottom of that ticket. It is fascinating to watch the right go through a phase. We talked about it on the last episode, the left eating itself. This is the right eating itself. By many conservative standards, Paul Ryan is now the establishment simply because he took a job, he got a promotion, and frankly, he didn't even want the damn thing. No, he didn't. And, and I, this is exactly why. Yeah, but I also think that Trump's entire non-endorsement of Paul Ryan, it's personal. because They hate each other. They hate each other because Trump said, I'm not quite there yet, which yeah. is exactly what Paul Ryan said months ago when asked if he would endorse Donald Trump. It's personal. Right. It's, not, it's one of the most petty examples <clears throat> of politics that I've ever seen. And, of course, Donald also doesn't like Paul Ryan because as a child— he would get so scared watching the Moonsters. <laughs> and if we know anything about Paul Ryan, he looks just like Eddie Munster. 
terrifying widow's peak on that guy. It's a weird head. Shave that thing. (laughs) But many people in the establishment are extremely upset with Donald Trump for not coming out and just endorsing Paul Ryan, the guy who has been walking a tightrope on par with the Frenchman who who walked between the two twin towers before they went down. (laughs) Thank God he didn't do it on the day they did. He would have failed miserably. (laughs) So, I mean, Paul Ryan is doing everything he can. Yeah. To support Trump, regardless of the other 14 or 13 things we'll discuss that Trump has done wrong this week or at least perceived to do wrong. Again, this is a person. Paul Manafort is in charge of Donald Trump's campaign. He is completely um, – you get the feeling he's Milton from office space. Yeah. He's in the basement. He, he's just happy to have his red stapler, and he's constantly dreaming about burning the whole damn thing down. <laughs> well, that was the, the ABC uh, article that came out yesterday that's a bit of a bombshell. Who knows if it's actually true or not, but that huge article that everyone's been talking about, uh, about how Everyone's Republic- been buzzing about it. Everyone- it's like Kim Ye, but for <laughs> politics. Uh, but it's the uh, possibility that Donald Trump might drop out and that the Republicans are starting to circle the wagons uh. as far as getting a new nominee. One person <laughs> said that Trump... Uh, Trump's campaign manager is, uh, they said, he's mailing it in. He is mailing it in. That he's just completely, and they also said that his staff was, quote, suicidal. Which is uh, always good for a political campaign three months out (laughs) before the election, when your staff is nice and suicidal. Even Newt Gingrich, one of Trump's longer supporters in the establishment, of course we love Newt because he wants to build a moon colony, and his beautiful wife, Callista, who hates children, wrote a children's book, so she's very creative. (laughs) He came out, and he uh, this is this is a quote that he uh, that Mr. Gingrich, the Newt, gave to the Washington Post. He said, "The current race is which of these two is more unacceptable." Which is that's just so sad. Yeah, but that is it. The current race is uh, is which of these two are more unacceptable because right now neither of them is acceptable. Going on discussing uh, Trump, he cannot win the presidency operating the way he is now. So he's starting to lose support from the people who gave him support, which led others in the establishment to then believe they could possibly support him, thinking that he was going to adjust his rhetoric and, um, I guess, comment politics with a more professional uh, angle, from a more professional angle. Well, as far as the lesser of two evils goes, mm. I mean, as far as, and because, you know, Newt's talking about, you know, out of the the two choices and he's not happy with either one of them, out of all of the primary voters, only 14% of those voted for Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or Hillary right. Clinton. I mean, so. Which that's even worse for Hillary, though, because, again, at one point, Trump was going against 17, 18, maybe 19 people, 17 and a half, something <laughs> like that. I mean, at some point, Gilmore was in there. So it's even worse for Hillary, I think, in that uh, in that regard. But absolutely, I mean, the nation is is not thrilled, and that's why Hillary hasn't polled over fifty percent, and certainly Donald Trump hasn't either. Even though she's up in some polls right now by uh, upwards of ten points, she's still not even close to getting over fifty percent. All right, Marcus, let's go down some more of the list on uh, Mr. Trump. Uh, as far as endorsement goes, Donald Trump doubled down on his non-endorsement of John McCain, oh, saying yeah. that he quote not done a good job for vets. He's not done a good job for vets. Five years getting tortured, refusing to leave a camp that uh, a camp filled with people who could have killed him at any time. Refusing to leave. Yeah, remember, Trump not likes done win- enough for vets. Trump likes winners. Remember, he does like winners, and of course, that is uh, also on the heels of him receiving a purple heart from a veteran uh, who earned that purple heart. And Trump came out and he said, you know, he earned it. 
Uh, this is a much easier way to get a Purple Heart than actually going to battle. Of course, he deferred. He had multiple military deferments, and uh, he did everything he possibly could to not get drafted and go fight in a war himself. He could have theoretically gotten a Purple Heart had he gone over and fought a war, but of course, he did not want to do that. So he just waited until he was nearly 70, <laughs> and uh, he got a Purple Heart for free. Yeah, and he said, you know what? I've always wanted one of these. He, and he does. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> want a Purple Heart? That sounds very exciting, and uh, I'm sure he'll wear it with pride all over his blazers. Yeah, and uh, then he said that uh, the handling of sexual harassment has got to be up to the individual. Well, this is a little bit of a uh, – this was a crazy article. If you read this, I believe that was a Washington Post article. It goes on and on and on, and Trump is uh, very similar to the dog in the movie Up. Every time that dog sees a squirrel, he's talking about random things. Squirrel! Talking about random things. Squirrel! Every uh, so often in this interview, Donald Trump just looks over at the television and he'll just comment on what's going on on Fox News, mm-hmm. you know, and just be like, Monica Crowley looks good, though, right? Like, it's it's very interesting. His uh, he, he gets distracted extremely easily. And people are thrilled when he can stay on message, but it just doesn't seem like it's possible for him to stay scripted. He always wavers and goes off on one tangent or another, and usually these tangents lead into very, very uh, hot water. Yeah, during that Washington Post interview, the uh, interviewer said that he got distracted three times by the television. TV is very exciting. And, and to Trump's defense, television is meant to be a distraction. It's meant to engage you. It's our bug light. It's the human version of a bug light. And Fox News, which is what he was watching, the best news channel on television. I met Rupert Murdoch. Nice guy. Oh, yeah? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it, it, all it does is, uh, you know, flashy imagery. It is, uh, it is a uh, it is a performer. It's a magician pulling a uh, a pocket watch out of his pocket and tantalizing the eye, mm-hmm. and that's what television news does. Yep. Trump then accused Kazir Khan, the father of the the soldier, the Muslim soldier that was killed back in two thousand and four. He accused him of being quote unquote bothered by Trump's plan to keep terrorists out of the country, and uh, Trump said he had absolutely no regrets about what he said about the Khan family. All right, so the Khan family situation is, uh, first of all, I think we can, we sympathize with the Gold Star families. There's no doubt about that. This is one thing that the left always does, though. They will put somebody out, and that person is protected by a series of... uh, the sympathy that we have to give towards Khan makes him invincible. It is it is a shield of protection. So there is nothing, and the left is so unbelievably good at doing this. So good at it. Of course, there were multiple families that Hillary didn't meet with, such as the Benghazi families and a series of other families that would have liked to meet with her and to discuss why their child is dead uh, for wars such as the one that she orchestrated in Libya or uh, ones that she voted for in Iraq. The Khan family is invincible. Trump should have just known that. The only reason this is a news story is because Trump made it one. Yeah. Let the guy speak at the DNC. Shut your mouth. It doesn't matter what he says. And just go on. Trump is making it the story. Yeah. It was a great and, speech. 
It was a fine speech. It was it was good. Uh, you know, I mean, the the fact is, we already have massive immigration bans on nations that are m- mostly Muslim and mostly uh, ones related, uh, mo- most likely to create uh, ISIS terrorists or Al Qaeda terrorists or Hezbollah terrorists. I mean, every damn terrorist on the face of the planet. We already have immigration bans on those nations so this whole calm thing was a total misstep for trump because it's very difficult uh for institutions on the right to defend him because the institutions on the right rely heavily on military support and if you lose that support there really is nowhere for them to go i mean you have the military you have social conservatives but you want that patriotic base. That's what the right that the, the U.S. brand is so important when it comes to facilitating patriotism and making people feel as if they want to pump up the nationalism in those constituents, in those viewers, because that's what those viewers are most drawn to. So if he turns if the if the right ends up screwing over or has the perception of not supporting the military. It's a very, very big deal. Well, I mean, it also, I mean, this just shows how tone deaf Trump is. You know, it just shows his lack of foresight. It shows how he just doesn't, he speaks off the cuff without thinking about any of the consequences of his actions on both sides. His feelings were hurt. Con yeah. hurt his feelings. And that's how what it all comes down to is that if he gets his feelings hurt, it does not matter at all. The yeah. far-reaching consequences to his party, the far-reaching consequences to his country, yeah. none of it matters. Well, to I him. just want to say, con <laughs> That's very fun that we have a con in this election. It is fun. That is great. Yeah, I but, don't know. This is he's much better than Joe the plumber. Joe the plumber wasn't even named Joe. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but I, I think, you know, two Trumps, to, to defend him a little bit, it is a difficult situation that he found himself in. He should have just shut up and not talked about it. But I don't have, I mean, I have sympathy for this con man because he lost his son, and obviously that's absolutely horrific. The guy's a lawyer, uh, con. He, he has defended some really terrible people, which that's fine. I mean, John Quincy Adams, uh, or John Adams d- defended a bunch of the Brits uh, after the Revolutionary War. But uh, it's th- this guy is now officially in politics, and so when you throw yourself into a political arena, when like Scott Baio, for example, <laughs> you know you have to be prepared for uh, for the uh, rebuttal of what you're what, of what you're saying. So, and just because he happens to be a, a father in mourning, he put himself on the stage. Hillary Clinton, they they sought him out because the man wrote an article, and Hillary sought them out. And they use them as political pawns. And I guarantee you, as soon as this election is over, Hillary Clinton will forget who is who he is. She'll forget his name. She doesn't even know who the name of his son is, most likely right now. Sent over in the war that she planned, by the way. So I think it is another situation of political puppetry, and the whole thing is a scam. Now, I think you're missing the forest for the trees here, uh, because I, what it is is that it, it's a whole symbolic thing. It's not a personal thing. Uh, it has absolutely nothing to do with the personal life of Khan. It has everything to do with Donald Trump looking at a Muslim couple and looking at the wife and saying, like, look at her. I bet she couldn't speak. I bet she couldn't speak at all because that all that does is that just you know it doubles down on hatred. It doubles yeah. down on bigotry. That's what I've said about Trump from the beginning. It's all symbolic. It's about leading. It's all about the example that he sets for his supporters. 
Well, I'm not going to sit here and say that Muslims are particularly kind to women. I mean, it's uh, all religions are relatively disgusting when it comes to their treatment of anyone who isn't male. So um, that that very I mean, I don't know why she didn't speak. Uh, she didn't but, speak because she was a mother that's grieving. She didn't speak yeah. because she doesn't know. Well, I mean, the man Khan, he's a lawyer. He's used to speaking in front of a large audience. He's used of to 12 public- people and a judge, <laughs> 13 people. Uh, but regardless, regardless, he's used to public speaking and she is not. Yeah. So why would she bring up, why would she go on stage when she's, I mean, she was forced to go on to CNN and address this stuff. I mean, she was forced to go no on and talk about No one had a gun to her, her head. Grief. She wasn't forced to do anything. You can go on, you make your own life decisions, and they wanted to politicize the death of their son, and they did it. And this is what happens when you throw yourself into the political arena. Again, I'm not saying what Trump, is, what Trump said is right, because frankly, it was a total political misstep, and that's what has uh, so many people in the Republican Party reeling and so many vets extremely upset. Yeah, and I, you know, granted, I'll give you that they didn't have to step into the political arena. arena. She wasn't actually forced with a gun to her head, uh, but I think it was, you know, at that point, it was uh, a matter of principle. Uh, but I also think that that is, you know, that's possibly something that's uh, per- more personal. That's out of uh, the purview of the conversation that I'm, uh, you know, uh, well, we the don't point know. that I'm we making here. Oh, yeah, okay. we don't really know. We but know. I think it really is. It just it's another character thing. And it's victims, also victims are very difficult to uh, defend yourself against when they make accusations against you. So I think that's something that uh, he found himself. He the, the, the Democrats threw a trap. He stepped right in it. And then, like uh, like Sideshow Bob uh, in the in the uh, Cape Fear episode of The Simpsons, where he consistently steps on uh, rakes, he hits himself with a rake over and over and over again until he's bruised in the face, and ironically enough, has the exact same complexion as Donald Trump has now. And then, of course, Obama came out and said that. Um, you know, he was that Trump was unfit to serve, and he urged Republicans to withdraw all of their support from him. Well, now, this is a great political move by Obama because he knows for a fact that they can't, and they specifically won't now that Obama requested that they do because it'll look like a total winner for him, and that's just not happening. So, I mean, you know, the sitting president of the United States, the man who has endorsed Hillary Clinton, the man who was completely right with every single thing that he said against Hillary Clinton in 2007, it's difficult to carry too much weight over what Obama is saying uh, against Donald Trump because at the end of the day, um, his political uh, agenda, what is it, quo bono, <laughs> is to get Hillary Clinton elected in order to ensure his his foreign policy and his domestic policy uh, is solidified in uh, in the nation. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there was the gaffe by Trump's spokesman, uh, Katrina Pearson, yeah. who suggested that Obama and Clinton uh, were to blame for the death of uh, Khan, uh, who died in 2004. Uh, four years before Obama was president, and I think about, what, six or eight before Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Well, she voted for the war. She so voted for the war. To I, some degree, that, that is accurate, but of course, Obama wasn't even in the Senate yet. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So that one's, yeah, I mean, that again just shows how... Or who was, I guess. He was in the Senate, but he wasn't there. He wasn't there for the vote in Iraq. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and God knows how Obama would have voted. You know, if, if you're a politician, it's a very good year to miss. 2001, a lot of mistakes were made. A lot of lies were given uh, to confuse the people who had to vote. But at the end of the day, they still voted 
uh, for a massive, massive international mistake. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the avalanche of Republicans coming out and saying that they're going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I mean, you've got yes. you've got GOP Congressman Richard Hanna. Yep. You've got Meg Whitman from HP, uh, and you've got uh, former Chris Christie aide Maria Camella. All of them saying that they're going to, without a doubt, vote for Hillary Clinton. And there's no doubt that Chris Christie hired her because her last name kind of sounds like a candy bar, <laughs> which is very tasty. Mm, caramellos. <laughs> I love a caramello. Everyone loves a caramello. You know what I used to do as a kid? Freeze them. Really? Yeah, and then you t- and then you eat them and then they're crunchy. <laughs> it's a great treat. Oh, and by the way, I was wrong earlier. He didn't pause three times to watch TV during the Washington Post interview. He paused five times. I mean, that's Fox News. <laughs> that's just good programming. What can yeah. you do? And then, of course, there was the Joe Scarborough uh, claim that uh, yes. that he asked three times in a meeting with the foreign security advisor. Why don't we use nuclear bombs? Yeah, he was on, Joe Scarborough was on with Hayden, and uh, he asked three times, yeah, why can't we just use nuclear weapons? I will uh, concede the narrative that this makes him look like a bloodthirsty, uh, you know, uh, Harry Truman, again, on steroids, or Harry Truman as if he had just had way, way too much bathtub gin, (laughs) and he was just, he was having having some uh, fantasies of watching some mushroom clouds rain over the world, or it could be that he was actually... Although I, th- I'm just saying this as a possibility. Maybe he was just inquiring legitimately why, which I don't understand how that's a question. <laughs> uh, but this is also, you know, going back to Donald Trump, he didn't know what the nuclear triad was during, I believe it was like debate number five. I'm not sure if he knows what it is now. He has very little understanding of the military. He has very little understanding of foreign affairs and foreign um, and how foreign governments view the world and what our actual relationship is abroad. It is a terrifying idea that we have a potential president of the United States who is now getting top secret information, by the way. Yeah. And we'll see if he just doesn't commit a massive felony running up to this election. If he leaks some information that should not be leaked, who knows? Yeah. Right now, people can't trust him to keep his mouth shut. Again, he constantly goes on these segues that go absolutely nowhere and very similar to the person who bought the Segway industry, who bought Segway company. He's driving himself off a cliff. Right off it. For those that don't know that story, Google owner of the Segway and CEO, he just he just segued right off a cliff. So yeah, that's not good. You I gotta really, lean back. You know, that uh, I think the the foreign policy uh, issue is very important here, and I think the reason why the news isn't covering it more and hammering it uh, hammering away at it more is because it's very complicated. Foreign policy. Well, it's also Hillary looks awful. Yeah. Her foreign policy is terrible. We have the situation going on with the ransom, and there's no doubt it was a ransom. There was four prisoners in Iran, and uh, the U.S. military or the U.S. government, uh, led by Obama, obviously gave four hundred million dollars to the Iranian for the release of those prisoners. They're saying it was because in 1979 we had something like a billion dollars of frozen assets in the United States that was the Iranians, so they're slowly starting to repay the Iranians this $1 billion. It just so happens in through the entire history of time over the past, what has it been, 30, 40 years? Say, so, Yeah, about almost 40. They just decided to do it the same weekend they were releasing prisoners. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, that's a difficult position the presidents have to make. I mean, I understand that. The If you're looking at four families, four fathers, mothers, widows, or, or spouses of people who are, you know, being held in Iran, and Iran wants $400 million by U.S. military standards, that's a quarter to giving – that's us giving a quarter to somebody on the street in mm-hmm. their Dixie cup. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I understand it sets a dangerous precedent, but at the end of the day, I have to be fully honest with myself. If I was sitting in the Oval Office, I think I would probably pay $400 million to get four people uh, released. I believe it was four. It might have been six. I got to admit, I'm pretty impressed with his political gamesmanship here. I mean, because oh, he's, he's I mean, this well. is because, of course, there is it's against the law for um, Americans uh, for America to pay ransom. Yeah. Uh, and so what I mean, it says that, you know, these negotiations to pay back these assets uh, have been going on for years, if not decades. So he looks at, he talks to his foreign policy experts and they find a way to grab money and give it to the Iranians. And I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that that's exactly what he I just wish they wouldn't lie about the damn thing. <laughs> I mean, Josh Earnest, the White House spokesperson, says this $400 million is actually money that the Iranians had paid the United States, had paid into a U.S. account in 1979. Just be honest with the American people. That's why I love Gary Johnson so much. He gave a great town hall last night, and one of my favorite lines about Gary uh, that Gary said was, you don't have to remember things if you just tell the truth. And I got to hang out with Gary afterwards. He's a great guy. He tells the truth. And that's what these politicians should just start doing. And that is, ironically enough, what people love about Trump is because they believe he's telling the truth when in reality he's lying through his teeth with every single thing he says. It just sounds so outlandish. The only thing you could hang your hat on is at least he's telling it like it is <laughs> yeah truth is stranger than fiction i think is it is most people are uh, holding on to right now uh it's a very god damn this election is weird it's so fun it's, <laughs> so i was saying the other day is that you know trump's comments about calm were so indefensible that the new york post who had endorsed trump had to print nude photos of a potential first lady yeah. for two consecutive days to try to distract from Trump's comments. Leave Melania alone. <laughs> it's yes. so, I mean that's it's just I August. I don't know if they were trying to distract from Trump's comments or not. I two mean I days? think they were trying to make him look bad although I mean if you're Donald Trump all it did was make him look amazing. For those that I'm sure everyone saw the covers uh, of the New York Post and uh, you know you can watch you can see the real pictures if you use a thing called Google. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. I actually was at work and someone's like, have you actually seen the photos? And I'm like, you ha do you have a phone? <laughs> Google the pictures. Yes, you can see the photos. So you're saying that it's very possible that uh, the New York Post is coming down on the side of the Republican establishment rather than Trump himself. I, The New York Post? Yeah. Oh, I think the whole, the whole conservative media... All of conservative media outlets are scrambling. They don't know exactly what to do. They have a, you know, they have a uh, a base like I was talking about earlier that is very classic conservative, very uh, military, very uh, socially conservative. Donald Trump sort of blows all that stuff out of the water, and social and and many of the people are very for free trade. They're pro they're pro NAFTA. They're pro TPP. Donald Trump has led a, uh, a different coalition than we've ever seen before in politics. And I know a lot of the people who firmly support Donald Trump, I've met them. Uh, many of them are very, very smart. Uh, but at the end of the day, you do get a feeling there is an underlying current of... Um, Racism? Uh, no, it's a desire to maintain a power that uh, was given to them at birth. Yeah, maintain a status quo, or at the very least, maintain a status quo that stopped being the status quo 20 years ago. I mean, also, there's there are there are people, you know, you and I have always avoided it, and our show has always avoided it, but there are, the lesser among us, or they they fight these little race wars. Yeah, you know you you look at Twitter, you look at you look at uh, you know Facebook. Look all around. 
Uh, there are so many different pockets, so many different people trying to desperately find an ideology, an identity that suits them. And as soon as they find it, as soon as they feel like they're home, they're ready to bunker up that home, oh. uh, build a moat around it, and defend it with their lives. So these idiots who are buying into the idea that somehow we have a, a huge race problem in this nation, those are the ones that are um, you know, going for certain candidates on both sides that they feel uh, you know, best represent themselves but you know it is it's a total lie and the government absolutely loves to see all the division that's happening in this country right now yeah i mean they do love to see division i'll tell you that much uh it does distract from the money uh and at the end of the yep. day that's what the government's all about everybody that's in government except for a very select few is there to line their pockets and align the pockets of their friends how how silver do you think louis gomert's pockets are oh they're silver <laughs> like guys yeah. like that they know how to divide and con like those are the people it's not necessarily the president uh although it's getting to be a presidential candidate uh but it's not necessarily the president that's dividing and conquering here it's congress people you know you know, it's congressmen and congresswomen uh, that go out there and they ferment these little wars that turn into these gigantic national, if not international, arguments that well, distract you got from what these people are actually doing that is really hurting America. Well, you just got to get that money. You got to fundraise. And Bill Weld, the vice presidential candidate for Gary Johnson, loves fundraising. He said he can make a million bucks in a day. <laughs> He's a very good guy. All right, let's move on with Trump. What else did he say this week? Uh, that's about it. I mean, uh, that's, I mean, He's that was a bad couple of days, a rough couple of days. I don't know if he's going to be able to rebound. I think, uh, you know, the, the irony is Hillary gave a terrible interview. I believe it was Sunday and I'm not sure what television show it was. She doesn't understand the email scandal. And I know a lot of people are like email scandal. Get over the email scandal. I mean. I'm over it. I understand why it's relatively significant in the uh, to the degree that that is um, a it is pretty much 101 that you have a protected server if you are the Secretary of State of the United States of America. It's not that difficult to understand. But, uh, you know, she just can't apologize for it and move on. If she would just apologize, move on, she is no longer under, under federal indictment. The whole thing is done, and she still refuses to acknowledge why people are upset with her. And she just has to start doing that. I mean, we have a situation where both candidates are roughly around 70% disapproval ratings. I mean, it's really something we haven't seen before. The only positive thing, again, is the opportunity for the first time in our lifetime for a real, legit third-party shot. And so we got to get Gary at 15% in the polls, get him at least 5% nationally. I mean, the, right now, their goal is to get... Uh, make it so that Hillary and Trump both get under 270 in the Electoral College, which would then force the vote to go to the Congress, and then somehow the Congress votes for Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. But hell, why not? Because they got a good chance in New Hampshire, uh, they got a good chance in Nevada, they got a good shot in New Mexico, and uh, you know there are some in Colorado. It's very possible. So uh, there are some places they can do well. When you start talking about Gary Johnson, we've got a little pile of stickers on the desk. They're not stickers, unfortunately. They're just they're they're, they're little, just cards. They're cards. <laughs> yeah, classic cards. Johnson Weld, fiscally responsible, socially tolerant. I like that. I very much like that. But did you pick those up on purpose, or was that just a subconscious thing? No, I picked them up on purpose. <laughs> Getting the power, the power of Johnson Weld. Yes, Johnson and Weld. It sounds like a really fun plumbing company. <laughs> I mean, I'm on. I'm on. On your side, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna vote for Gary Johnson. Well, I, I want to. I want a third party here just as much as anybody else. If this yeah. election has taught us anything, it's that by 
God, do we need a third party? Well, we absolutely do. And, you know, the Libertarian Party, it has its flaws, just like all the other parties do. But, you know, where the Libertarian Party uh, shines is they allow many different opinions. The tent is absolutely huge. It is everybody is involved in the tent. Uh, Everyone's allowed in. It's the most inclusive party uh, that we have in the nation. And between Hillary and between Trump, I don't see how uh, there is another option in this election. And again, I have an article coming out for Heat Street, which is a fun new publication uh, out out, out of News Corps, which is, uh, you know, socially liberal, uh, a little bit more fiscally conservative. But it's all about, like we talked about on the last episode or the episode previous, all about how voting for a third party is not a spoiler vote. It is a it is a legit vote that matters. And in this election, election cycle it matters more uh, than ever before so give them a look because uh, if you are extremely upset with Hillary if you're extremely upset with Trump uh, check out Johnson and Weld because I think there's an option there or Jill Stein I mean she has a town hall coming up in two weeks uh, you know look at her I mean we do have more than two parties in this country and you're more than you're more than welcome to start supporting them yeah um, all right. Anything else, Marcus? Uh, just uh, Donald Trump saying that the New York Times don't write too good. But you know what? They don't. <laughs> I read some New York Times articles. They're trash. Excuse me. Don't know how to write good. They don't. But he did love the New York Times when they gave him a big, uh, they gave him a boost a few months ago when he held up the New York Times. He said, I love this paper. Mm-hmm. They said the New York paper. Times is so unfair. I mean, they write three, four articles about me a day. No matter how good I do on something, they'll never write good. Right. And one thing that people don't understand either of, of, of why Trump is doing so well, uh, ironically enough, he's taken a page from uh, Bernie Sanders' playbook as he has this entire election. He's, he's doing a little spy gate of his own, uh, for those that know the reference to what the New England Patriots did, where they spied on their opponents and figured out out uh, their defensive strategies because they're a bunch of cheaters. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady and Giselle, she's strange looking. <laughs> Don't even give me all that. But Donald Trump now he's started he's starting to solicit funds and uh, he's actually doing very well in July. He made eighty million dollars. He got an eighty million dollar haul in comparison with Hillary Clinton, who got ninety million dollars. Uh, the contributions included $64 million from small donors. I mean, these are the people who are giving up their life savings. As a matter of fact, Donald Trump was just on stage last night. He uh, was given an envelope by somebody, and the person said to him, this is too much for my family to afford. And Donald Trump opened up the envelope on stage, looked at the check, and said, oh, wow, wow. And then he put it back. And he, but it was... Um, it was interesting because a part of you, when you see him receiving Purple Hearts, when you see him receiving money that he knows for a fact people can't uh, afford, it brings you to back to Trump University, and it makes me feel like an evangelical preacher is pilfering uh, the people in the pews. You know, it really does remind me of uh, what... what- when was that? A few years ago, when that uh, preacher said that the world was going to end, and he urged so many people to sell everything that they the had. The radio guy who was like ninety-four years old, who has <laughs> now since passed. So I guess yeah. to some degree he, he has, was right. He has passed, but I mean, it's really people that are destroying their lives for some sliver of hope because you right. don't uproot your entire life. You don't sell everything you have because you're happy, because you're satisfied. These are people that are miserable they're completely hopeless and they think that their last shot at making it the only hope that they can see is giving a check giving a check to donald trump that's it that's it well you know he promises that he can do it he can do it alone so give him the money sit back 
and let him take care of you because America is going to be great again, or so he says, under his presidency. We'll see if he doesn't nuke the world. (laughs) Hey, don't you worry about blank. I'll worry about blank. What's blank? (laughs) I don't know. Doesn't matter. It's a tough one, man. It's a real... It is a doozy. He's got to shut up. I mean, the the amount of... Uh, the amount of negative things that could have been talked about this week, specifically when it comes to Hillary Clinton, completely overshadowed out of the sheer novice political approach of Donald Trump. And at this point, he's been running for a year now. You got to become a pro. Yeah. You you have a full. He had a full year. It's been a year and, and a, almost a month. It's all. It's done now. You can't say you're no longer a politician. He can no longer say he's no longer a politician. He's running. He is second. He is the one of two of the main options for the president of the United States. When you sit in the Oval Office, you have to be a politician. You have to be. You have to politic. That's the whole damn point. And I think he's making a big mistake turning his back on Paul Ryan. I think he's a big, making a big mistake uh, challenging John McCain. And I would not be surprised, like you were saying, uh, if they, if the Republican Party does do some major shifting and finds a way to, at the very least, either uh, throw their support for Gary Johnson. A lot of Republicans are going over to the Libertarian Party or uh, find a way to um, just 100 percent support Hillary Clinton. Although there are so many Republicans who just have disdain when they think of the Clinton name and I don't think they'll be able to vote for her. So, again, the only bright spot is possibly in 2020 we have a three-party system or at the very least a little bit more of a three-party system uh, than we have in 2016. So if you're very depressed, that's something good to remember. Um, all right, everyone, go to the Facebook page. It's Hot Times Fun Action. Is that what I said? <laughs> hot Times Fun Action. All right. Uh, and find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks and on Instagram at Marcus Parks. I'm on Instagram at Ben Kissel one and I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel, which is very exciting. I'm always tweeting about something. Yeah. A lot of responses. And I'm getting a lot of people saying, we want to see you guys live. Come to the Creek in the Cave. Yeah. Uh, every Sunday we record the Roundtable of Gentlemen here, and uh, you're more than welcome to watch on the couch. Absolutely. It's about 6, 30, 7 o'clock every yeah. Sunday. So, Soft start. Yeah, come hang out. And, uh, you know, we're here regularly, and it's a fun little bar. So, you know, come and get drunk, and uh, we'll have a nice time. Um, all right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.